APU. American Public University is proud to present The Everyday Scholar. Hello, my name is Dr. Bjorn Mercer, and today we're talking to Dr. Andre Rawls, Associate Professor in the School of Arts, Humanities, and Education. And today our conversation is about organizing to address the racial wealth gap. Welcome, Andre. Thank you for having me, Dr. Bjorn. You've led investment groups in the Chicago area for years, and can you describe how these work? Certainly. We have a network of investment organizations that is primarily African-American women. We started in 1993 based on the Beard Street Ladies book that came out around that time. Beard Street Ladies was a group of women in Beard Street, Illinois, that had started investment clubs and were said to have outperformed the market. So we literally took their process right out of the book and copied piece for piece and started organizing African-American women to do exactly the same thing. We started one club and for three years we just learned about how to invest before we actually put any money on stock at all. Once we started investing and develop the processes, then what we started doing is developing a process for spinning out other clubs, for teaching other women how to come together, how to invest, and what investments can do for them in terms of wealth accumulation. And that's absolutely excellent. When you first started the club, how much did people know about investing? We knew nothing. It was a zero start. We didn't even know the language of stock. We had the second investment counselor that we had helped us understand things like beta and price to earnings ratio and all those things that we talk about now very comfortably. We had no clue. None of us could read the Wall Street Journal or nor could we read the stock pages in the newspaper. So we learned everything from scratch. And I can see how if you don't know, like you said, how to re read the Wall Street Journal, that obviously is a hindrance. And so that leads to the second question is, what is the social and economic significance of people of color in general, and African American women in particular, understanding wealth accumulation? That's probably a bigger question than we have time for. I think that what we have to look at is that the disparity between understanding what wealth is and understanding how to acquire it becomes very different in communities of color. I was recently on a call where one of the people on the call was a broker from Northern Trust Bank. And the money that we talk about in our clubs, you know, some of our clubs have been in business a long time and they may be up to 100000 That's no money to Northern Trust. They don't think that that's a quote unquote big account. For us in our community, that's a lot of money. So what you have to do in the process is not only work with wealth accumulation, but work with a change, a paradigm shift in thinking about money and thinking about wealth. So it's it's different on so many levels, socioeconomic, political, and especially the way you think about how your money comes in and goes out. And that's an absolutely wonderful point where when you talk to bankers and you think about how much, uh, and I'll say the average person might have uh, in the savings or, or their overall wealth, and that might seem small for bankers, but in reality, that's a huge amount of money for that person. And so the next question is, what is the primary factor that has made uh, the club successful throughout the years? The one word that I think is most important is transparency. There is always 
a question of where is the money, what's going on with the money. And all of the clubs, the way we keep accounting is every meeting, all the money is on the table. You know how much everyone has. You know where all the money is invested. You make collective decisions on buying new stock. You make collective decisions on selling stock. There are no secrets. There is no hidden agenda, especially when it comes to the dollars. I think that's one of the key factors in making this work. Now, for those who don't know what an investment group is, can you briefly explain, as the group, you pool your money, correct? That's correct. It's sort of a, a mutual fund. You think of it like a mutual fund. You have a group of people that come together, and one of our clubs has the smallest amount that we have of any other clubs is $25 a month. And we always convince the women that you waste $25 a month. You waste it on coffee, on donuts, on things that you don't need and that don't help your waistline. So you might as well take that $25 a month and invest it together. When you do that, you're not looking at anybody's bill money, anybody's grocery money. You're looking at kind of a little of the extra money you have left over. And when you invest it, it doesn't hurt. You don't really feel it. But when you put 10 people together with $25 a month, you've got $250 a month, which then accumulates to the year. You invest it in some good stock and it starts to really look pretty productive after a while. And throughout this process, I'm assuming... Everybody who's part of it, their financial literacy goes up and up and up because not only are they trying to think, okay, well, I need $25 a month and then I need $25 a month, month after month, they have to really take a deep dive into their own budget, I'm assuming, also. We have done some things, especially in our youth clubs. And we have two clubs that have young people in it where we actually did financial literacy. We taught them how to write checks, how to balance checkbooks, how to do a budget. But for the adult women, we focused more on learning the stock market and that kind of thing. But indeed, it does make you look at everything differently. When you get up in the morning and see that you're using a product and you have a vested interest in that product, it makes a big difference. I can really see that. And I like what you said about in the morning, if you have a cup of coffee. And I think back in my youth, <laughs> a while ago, I used to get Starbucks. And I rarely get Starbucks anymore, but a few times a year, honestly. But I think about just how much money I've spent at Starbucks just for coffee or this or that, when if you took all of that money, or even took half of what you would spend at Starbucks and invest it over a few years, that would be a little pot of money, which would go far. Now, do you find that the women's behaviors start to change? Is it kind of all of a sudden or is it kind of a slow burn where they're like, oh, if I do X and Y, this will happen? I think it's a lot slower process than we might think. We're a lot more interested in shopping at places where we own stock. Before we go to Starbucks to pick up that coffee, we want to know, do we have stock in Starbucks? We look at where we go to restaurants based on where our stock is. That kind of thing makes us incremental changes. And then we start to look at, are we spending smart? We don't look at just spending for the sake of spending. I think that the ladies in the club that have been in for a long time are very, very um, conscious of where their money goes. There was also a time when some of the ladies didn't want to invest in stock that wasn't green. There's all kind of consciousness issues have come up in the process of studying stock. And that's absolutely wonderful also because the stock market can be what I describe as devoid of ethics, <laughs> where you just invest, it doesn't matter what stock you invest in, as long as it returns. 
when you invest into a stock, you're essentially investing into the company, what they do, what they create, and really how they approach the world. And so have you found that there's some stocks that you will not invest in because of certain actions they do? I find that an interesting question. We have had meetings where the discussion has been around whether or not to purchase a stock. And the one that immediately comes to mind is Playboy. At one point, Playboy was a very lucrative stock. And some of the ladies were like, oh, yeah, we can make a lot of money. And other ladies were like, no, that exploitation is something that we're not going to buy into. And so we've had very energetic, if I can use that word, discussions about some stock that we would not buy. And we did not buy it as a result of the discussion. The other thing that came to mind when you were talking about that is that we make some decisions based on what the companies do in the world. One company was a company that produced disposable diapers, and they were going to have disposable diapers in a country that did not have good disposal systems for anything, which meant that the impact on the community, the impact on the environment was going to be devastating. And they decided as a group not to buy that stock as well. And that's a wonderful decision. You know, it's one of those things where like today, in 2021, you would think that companies would look at their products, look at how they impact the environment and really try to change. But we are well beyond, I'll just say, quote, the olden days where a company creates a product and it's exciting and new, so they get it out there. And then later down the road, they're like, oh, well, it might impact local people this way, or it might impact you know the environment this way. All companies know exactly how it's going to impact. They've done the studies. And that's why investment groups like this is so wonderful, because even just having those discussions, like you said about the diapers or Playboy, those are wonderful discussions to have, because not only are you thinking about the companies around you or even the companies that you're using, but you're also just helping everybody just be more informed about the world. And this is going to sound naive, but the world's so big, it's hard to know and to be educated on everything where you put your money is such an important part and especially acting socially and responsibly and sometimes with some sort of advocacy is a really important thing have you found that the women in your group really enjoy those conversations it it seems like they would i think that most of the women in the group are very bright people not only do they enjoy them but they i think look at the world differently because of them There were times in one stock that we held that we did write a letter to the CEO and advocate for positions on certain things. And I think at the time it was they had taken a position on hiring waitstaff that was gay. And we were very upset about the position. And we wrote as shareholders and took a stance on behalf of what we believed. Your ears perk up a little bit differently when something comes on the news and you have vested interest in it. And when you consider the greater majority of African-Americans, Latinos, and other people of color have no vested interest in most of these corporations other than as a consumer, we're taking a much different stance on the world. And it's very important. I guess a follow-up question I have for you is, I'm going to use some stats from the U.S. government, so census.gov where I'll state the stats and I'll say, when you talk to people, do they realize these stats? So uh, in 2017, 2018, so it's about two years old, the median household income in the US was about 60,000. So the median household income for white was almost 70,000. And then for the average black family, it was 40,000. And then for Asian, it was 83. And for Hispanic was 51. Do people realize that disparity 
And these are just raw stats. Stats don't lie. (laughs) I think the response is not only do they realize it, but they live it. The disparity is not just numbers. It's that inability to do some of the same things, go some of the same places, enjoy some of the same guarantees that this country holds for everyone because you're living at a 60% income of the rest of the world. And this leads us to the next question is, uh, what are some of the belief systems about wealth that have to be addressed? We have so many incorrect belief systems about wealth. And one of the things we talk about when we start to talk to women about starting investment clubs is understanding some of the paradigms that we live with. For example, one of the things that you will hear somebody say is money is the root of all evil. That is not the correct statement. It's a biblical quote. The correct statement is, the love of money is the root of all evil. So it's that kind of misunderstanding. Money is evil. Money is dirty. Money is bad. That starts the process of, I should not have money. When, in fact, that is not the correct thinking. There's nothing wrong with money. What is wrong is if we pursue it in a way that is wrong. I completely agree. And I would say that money is freedom in a simple sense, because if you have money and if you have it in the bank and say you don't have to work for a certain organization, then you are free to then do what you want. You're free to support who you want and you're free to let your dollars support that. And the phrase of money is the root of all evil is too simplistic. It doesn't tell the truth of the complexity of of money, especially in a world in which every generation that has ever existed has to have money, has to use money. And it's kind of a a cute philosophical saying, if you have money, you're like, oh, the money is the root of all evil, but I don't have to worry about my bills next month or where I eat, but it's something easy to say. One of the other sayings that I like to share with the ladies is, how many times did your parents tell you money doesn't grow on trees? I always like to tell them, but here's what we don't realize. Money does grow and we have to learn to make it grow. So it's that kind of difference in thinking that we work on with the investment clubs. And that's great. Having to work on letting money grow, which is absolutely perfect. And today we're speaking with Dr. Andre Rawls, and we'll be right back after a short break. At American Public University, we believe higher education is not one size fits all. That's why we offer 200 modern programs that build on your knowledge and fit your schedule. Because we believe universities should adapt to the needs of students, not the other way around. American Public University, within reach, without limits. Online classes start every month. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com. And we're back with Dr. Andre Rawls. And so this leads me to the next question. How is the work with the investment clubs congruent with your history? First of all, before I started teaching at APSU, I worked for the state of Illinois as section chief for HIV AIDS. So I have been in the throes of fighting for justice, fighting for rights, fighting for equality since I was about 17, 18, 19 years old. But I was in college in 1966 and 67, right at the beginning, where the civil rights movement merged into the black movement, and where right after the time black folk started wearing naturals, and there was the love scene on one side and the black scene on the other. And the late 60s and early 70s 
really normed the rest of my life. I think it was very important to who I am and to what I do. I find that in some ways, it's interesting that I'm in the midst of the capitalistic system, and that is an investment, but it is a way of organizing, and you can't fight systems from the outside. If you don't understand how it works, you can never make inroads to change. I absolutely love that. And I'll try to remember everything you said because there's so much, there's so much good. I like how you said you can't fight the system from the outside. And I completely agree with that. I find when so many people want to change, you know, they want to change the world, they want to do this and this and this, which is great. And I completely agree with that. But the easiest way to hopefully change something is to change it from the inside. Because if you try to change it from the outside, that means that you're an outsider trying to change internal policies, which people on the inside will completely say no within our capitalist society, which is what we have, but there's a lot that needs to happen within the capitalist society. And so a question I have for you is, having gone through the 60s and the 70s and, and, and those changes from those decades, what recommendation do you get for people today, for black, for white, for Asian, for anybody who is looking to change the world positively? I think that I firmly believe in the Stephen Covey habit that says, seek first to understand and then to be understood. I think that if we could adapt that as our way of being, that we seek first to understand what the conditions are, what the problems are, what the concerns are, why is it this way, and then to be understood in terms of what we need from that system, then we would have a better chance at making inroads and change. It's like you said, we have to have those hard conversations, but they have to be informed conversations. I absolutely love that. And seek first to understand, then be understood. One thing I always talk about and one of the classes I manage here at APUS is information literacy. And if everybody really sought, seek first to understand, there are so many things that we have to understand. If they just understood kind of where we came from, and that's not to say that it's negative and the country's bad, nothing like that, but just with eyes open to really understand. I think just so many people would be in a better place to then move forward and have conversations about what we're trying to change today. Any other suggestions for people today or like with investment groups? Well, before I get back to the investment groups, I think there's the one other thing I want to say as a suggestion is we live in a world where people are headline conscious and they don't read the text of the article. I think we need to read more and really investigate what's going on and not be swayed consistently by just the headline. We've come out of four years of headlines being shaped in ways that were not necessarily congruent with truth, and we need to get back with understanding what truth is that's under the headline. In terms of the investment clubs, right now we have seven clubs that are currently in existence. Some of them are virtual, which is kind of a new experience. We've learned that we can do virtual clubs. Some of them are family clubs where people have joined together in their family groups and started clubs. And we're trying to move the investment clubs from just the club system into greater investments like buying franchises and going further so that we can show that there's a progression to this. Many of the club members that were the original club members from the 90s have started other clubs and moved forward. So it's a process that we really feel is workable. I can teach any group how to do it. I don't ever charge for it. It's my gift. 
So if anybody wants to reach me through your podcast, please have them reach out. I'd be happy to share information. And that is absolutely wonderful. And it really makes me think of in today's world, it's not that it's fragmented because that's overly dramatic, but we really need to rely on our community, the people around us, our family, and to, to have these kind of investment clubs, especially with people, again, just who live around you and and you have a shared vested interest in just being successful and that you can have great conversations and learn from each other is an absolutely wonderful, just an absolutely wonderful organization. Great conversation today, Andre. And any final words? I just was thinking, as you said, that the Investment Club is one place where a group of 26 women get together once a month. They don't talk about men. They don't talk about each other. They don't talk about anything negative. All they talk about is how to make money. And it's wonderful. Thank you very much for letting me share. Thank you. And I wish you the best of luck and for the Investment Clubs. And today we're speaking with Dr. Andre Rawls about organizing to address the racial wealth gap. And of course, my name is Dr. Bjorn Mercer. And thank you for listening. For more information about our university, visit us at studyatapu.com. APU, American Public University.